This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Bottom of the hour, we go inside Washington with USA Today's Susan Page, who also did an extensive biography on Nancy Pelosi, who's in the center of things right now. Good news is, uh, for people who are sane, pushing for America to be successful, last night, no deal on the bipartisan or the nonpartisan $3.5, uh, the $3.5 trillion deal. We, I'm going to give you the play-by-play on how we got to that moment and what is already developing this morning. Uh, But I'll tell you, waking up today, reading the New York Times, the Biden administration cannot be happy. Joe Biden's approval ratings drop between 42 and 45 percent. But when it comes to Democratic women, excuse me, women in this country, he got 57 percent of the vote in November. He's down to 48 percent. For seniors, he's down to 48 percent. For young people, he's dropped 17 points. For Hispanics in Texas, 20 points. I mean, there's got to be some alarm there that people are seeing this performance, seeing what happened in Afghanistan, seeing what's happening with inflation and saying, I am fed up. And he's only nine months in. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. We got some very encouraging news this evening. As it stands right now, he will remain in jail till early next week. Uh, he's being treated fairly. You have not seen your son? We, we, we have not talked to him, and we have not heard from him. Unbelievable. That is uh, Stuart Scheller's dad speaking up, demanding answers. Why is one Marine in jail and another being investigated simply for expressing their beliefs and appearing at a rally with Donald Trump? As more evacuees land in the U.S. from Afghanistan and more questions rage at the planning and led, that led up to the catastrophic exit from that country after 20 years. Number two. On the fight against COVID, we could be seeing a new oral treatment for the, for the disease coming from the pharmaceutical company Merck, which says it has an experimental pill that can significantly reduce the effects of the virus. Hey, keep it down, everybody. I have good news on COVID-19. You heard some of it. Cases are dropping. Delta is dying. And a new pill could make us impervious to future variants. That, to me, should be screaming headlines. But we only scream headlines when there's hospitalizations and there's a variant and there's all types of mandates. The Biden administration views news like this as a problem because they're in the midst of a pushing a vaccine mandate that have tens of thousands of Americans losing their jobs. I'll try to explain. Number one. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to one five. Yeah, Joe Manchin. No deal yet as moderates and radical Democrats knock heads over a spending bill that is all about party and not about the American people as President Biden disappears. Unless Pelosi and Manchin 
take over. At least it's uh, first name is same, Joe. So I told you about the president's approval ratings. Just to review, and I don't want your head to spin. You you don't live in Washington for a reason. You don't like the inside story, but it affects everybody. So in the infrastructure bill that got 19 votes in the Senate, you got things like $550 billion in spending about previous uh, federal levels, okay? $110 billion for roads and bridges, $66 billion to rail maintenance, $65 billion broadband, $42 billion for ports and airports. A lot of this is traditional spending. I just heard Ron Johnson, who didn't vote for it, say, yeah, a lot of the stuff I, I'm for, but there's a lot of green stuff in there I can't. Uh, but let's just look at this. The infrastructure bill for a Democratic president with a Democratic House and Senate is good for Republicans. But the problem is the free spending and agenda-driven, all green, uh, all social spending, so-called human infrastructure that exists in $3.5 trillion. It's a Bernie Sanders bill, but we didn't elect Bernie Sanders as a country. Democrats didn't even nominate Bernie Sanders because the, the ideas he has have never been implemented and they don't work in America. But here's what they're proposing, $7.5 billion in electric vehicle charges, $2.7 billion for achieved dignity, uh, equity. What does that mean? $2 million per year for bee-friendly landscaping, $500 million for healthy streets programs, including reflective sidewalks and tree planting. The IRS gets billions of dollars to snoop into our bank accounts for everybody who has over $600. You do not want the IRS on steroids. Then you talk about billions for tree equity and things that we just don't need. That occurs to Joe Manchin, who all along said we have money that isn't even out the door that's been allocated. We spent $5.4 trillion since last March. Can we calm down? Here's what he put in writing in, a, in August. Essentially, hey, Senator Manchin, uh, excuse me, Senator Schumer, I'll go with $1.5 trillion. And I won't go with this, this, and this. $1.5 trillion. That's it. And he actually signed this in a letter. It's bizarre. Cut one. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to 1.5. So when this letter got out, he knew he had to speak out and just let everybody know, I'm a Democrat, but I'm a moderate. Now, people are disappointed that Joe Manchin has done more. I'm not. Here's AOC. She's disappointed. I mean, here's the thing, is that uh, there's a lot of games being played with with this number. Let's be really clear about what the current status is with $3.5 trillion. That's $350 billion per year. So if this is really about the deficit, then maybe we go after our defense spending and find our savings there instead of going after people's child care. Yeah, giving people money to have kids. It's a great idea. So AOC, who's just 30, knows more than Joe Manchin and the rest of the Democratic Party uh, about a trillion dollars. Keep in mind, when the bottom fell out of our economy, $800 billion with Barack Obama got his stimulus. $800 billion. TARP followed. Less than a trillion. She's laughing off $1.5 trillion, which when you play it out, it ends up being more. Well, let's see what happens. She says it's a non-starter. Bernie Sanders says it's a non-starter. But at least Bernie Sanders, who's 100 years old, understands he can't even believe people are talking to him. He couldn't even get someone to answer his calls 10 years ago. That's how much things have changed. So they went back and forth all night long. And to be brief, the moderates demanded, if they voted to move forward with this bill, the moderates demanded a few weeks ago that there's a vote on the bipartisan bill by September 27th. 
Today's October 1st. They didn't have a vote last night, and they're supposed to have a vote today. But if they don't have the votes, they don't want to fail, so they won't do it. So the moderates say, if you don't put that up for a vote, we're not even considering the 3.5, which we know is going to be significantly lower. I hope you're able to follow that. So House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is doing all the work. It looked like Senator, uh, Senator Manchin and Sinema have been brought to the White House multiple times to deal with the president. He has not moved them at all. All right. So I thought he was the guy who was supposed to bring everybody together. Nancy Pelosi is bringing in the hammer. And here's what she said yesterday. We are proceeding in a very positive way. We're on the path to win the vote. Uh, there is a lot of anger at Senator Schumer for keeping that Manchin letter out. We understand that. As Bernie Sanders said last night, and I think he's right about this, shortly before Pelosi announced the delay, quote, to Axios, it's an absurd way to do business, to be negotiating a multi-trillion dollar bill a few minutes before a major vote with virtually nobody knowing what's going on. That's unacceptable. And I believe he's in on the negotiations. Even if he isn't, I think I give Bernie Sanders credit for saying that. Come on. You're supposed to be debating this in committee, bringing it to the floor, and then we have a thorough debate. None of that's happening, but I guess I should get used to that. Here's what Playbook is saying. First, they make clear the progressives that they can forget about the $3.5 trillion. That's not going to happen. Uh, the ballpark is $1.5 to $2.1. Second, it gets a sense— uh, You get a sense with these negotiations that the policy priorities are most likely to survive, which are headed for the chopping block, are these. The ones that are just about gone are Bernie Sanders' hope to expand Medicare to offer dental vision and hearing. Uh, That's not going to happen. Also, for instance, there's no mention in what they're talking about of the free community college or affordable housing that Bernie Sanders talked about to expand. This is all extra. We already have so much money in the system. The pandemic is done. Consumer consumer spending is up. We have more jobs open than we have people to fill them, even though unemployment is around 5%. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to continue to to fill you in on the latest negotiations. Also, get you updated on what has happened with Lieutenant Colonel uh, Scheller, who's been jailed because he spoke up and said what all of us have been saying on this show. But as an active Marine, they didn't want him saying that our generals— Our secretaries, our president has totally let us down and embarrassed us around the globe and our military. He was going to resign. They put him in jail first. I'm going to get that story, and I'm going to contrast it with what else is going on. The embarrassment that they caused, Millie, Austin, and McKenzie all still have jobs. And the guy that speaks out and says what we know is right is in jail. Totally wrong. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Honest commentary, unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. All these efforts to supercharge the bureaucracy, whether it's turning small businesses into Joe Biden's COVID police force or giving the IRS tens of billions of dollars to come after small businesses, just an effort to put more hands in the powers of bureaucrats in Washington. And now is Tom Cotton with me last night at 7 on primetime. I'll be on primetime again tonight. Uh, talking about the coronavirus and the mandates that are with it. But I'm going to give you some good news now because you don't get enough of it, any of it, when it goes good. Uh, If you look at Florida and Texas and everywhere except the upper northwest, cases are going down precipitously like a a rocket, just like it happened in Israel because we don't do our own studies. Everything's Israel these days. But if you look at the Delta variant in the U.K. and Israel, it dropped off a cliff. Now, new cases are down 25%. If you look at the shade map, for example, on the first page of the New York Times, everything's gotten lighter except for one, a couple of small areas. More good news. Merck says COVID-19 uh, has a, has a uh, we have an attack plan on COVID-19 variants, and it's an antiviral pill. Now, Merck is publicly traded. This, is, this wouldn't have come out unless they didn't have substantial news uh, from these studies. This is going to, if this is in fact true, and you want to shield yourself from the variant, this is going to rocket that stock for sure. Now, this could be eventually effective against all known variants for the coronavirus. Uh, it's molinunifor, whatever it is, works by targeting the enzyme needed for the virus to make copies of itself and introduce errors into the virus's genetic code. Bottom line is, really smart people came up with a great drug that you can take orally that would stop the variant. So the XYZ variant that's coming down our way that would threaten everything and put masks back on people and continue to militarize things like Amtrak, that would be stopped. We also have consumer spending up 0.8%. So how bad can this virus be, especially if you're in a red state? So the number of recipients receiving the Pfizer uh, vaccine, we're up to a single shot for everybody eligible, 76%. 66% of people got both shots are fully vaccinated. So uh, for people eligible, I mean, this is good news. So if the numbers are going down, the hospitalizations are going down, why are you having this militant mandate madness? To me, it makes absolutely no sense. They are about to fire thousands of people in the medical profession in New York. They're going to, be able to do the same thing in L.A. and North Carolina, the same thing. Now in 5 o'clock, New York City teachers make emergency Supreme Court application to try to block this idiot mayor we have from a vaccine mandate. They would have them forced to resign at 5 o'clock today. We'll see if they will actually hear from anybody. Jonathan Turley was on with us 
and he was on with Laura last night. And the question is, does why aren't they winning more in court? This seems to be a freedom thing, and it doesn't seem as though we're winning in court. Not that you shouldn't take the vaccine, but you shouldn't be forced to take the vaccine or lose your job. There's something fundamentally un-American about that. Listen to what he said is the key to winning. Cut 22. First of all, from a policy standpoint, this is in line with that old naval order that the floggings will continue till morale improves. You know, the, <laughs> the, the Biden administration went through this care period where they were offering money if you take the vaccine. Ohio was offering a million dollar lottery. It didn't get people in through the door. So they've now gone to an all stick approach. But this thing would really bludgeon many businesses out of existence if they got their way. And the thing is, it's not up to the businesses. A lot of people are preferring to walk away. So what he went on to say is the key issue that I hear most that you call about, and that is, what if you had it already? What if you have the antibodies? Well, where are those antibody tests? I mean, early on, right in 2020, we were hearing about antibody tests. I know people that got it. Well, my antibodies are still there. They have gone. Uh, I think I should take the vaccine. I'm going to go take it. Now, all of a sudden, they disappeared. Why is that not part of the conversation? Why are we just getting tested? Why are we getting antibody tested? So Turley talked about that, so-called natural immunity. And could that be part of the court case? I have natural immunity. I have antibodies. Why do I need to get your vaccine? Cut 23. Then there's the issue you mentioned, which is natural antibodies. Many people have said their doctors told them not to take the vaccine because their natural antibodies after recovering from COVID are as high or higher than what they would get from a vaccine. Now, courts are going to have to look at that, look at the science and whether that's true or not. But there's an issue there for judicial review. And it hasn't really been tested that thoroughly. Interesting. So how can that factor into a court case? You know what I love to do? Not only win the court case, but get these antibody tests everywhere. Isn't there a free market approach to an antibody test that would be easy to do that doesn't require blood? I'm not sure. But would you give blood if you are somebody that is against the vaccine for whatever reason? Would you feel better being tested for antibodies? That would further that number. Plus, aren't we at the threshold of herd immunity when you had 75 percent for a country? And then you think there's a lot of people with natural immunity. They don't even know it. I've never had it. I got vaccinated, but maybe I had the antibodies. I don't know. I've never been tested for it. So, but I didn't think it was that tough. Now, no one even talks about it. And the great Anthony Fauci doesn't mention it. So we'll look at that. But get this. Good news. Cases are dropping. I want businesses to respond, but they're afraid to tell us because they think we're going to do what we did in July when the president said, take your mask off. We did. And there were some cases and there were some surges, but there's no sense that behavior has anything to do with this. And plus, the variant not as strong, but easier to catch. So we'll move on. This Schiller story, Lieutenant Colonel Schiller story, I am incensed about. Remember when he spoke up and spoke out against the ineptness of General Milley and company and what they did and the mark they put on America's history by the way they did it. And then they said to him, well, can you stop with the social media stuff? They put a gag order on him. And he said, no, I'm resigning and I'm going to be able to speak out. So they go, no, you're not. I'm putting you in jail. In the middle of these hearings, we find out that Schiller's in solitary confinement. That's where you put al-Qaeda operatives. No, we let him go. Thousands out of prisons. But we put Lieutenant Colonel Schiller with multiple deployments in Afghanistan and Iraq in jail. That incensed his parents who have come on Fox. I don't know why other people aren't booking them, but coming on Fox to explain the situation. Here's what he told. And by the way, he's got the... 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The parent's going to be on with me tonight at 7. Here's what uh, Stu, the dad, told Sean Hannity last night, Cut 25. We got some very encouraging news this evening. Uh, as it stands right now, he will remain in jail what? until early next week. Uh, he's being treated fairly. Uh, he sent a message that the guards are treating him well. He, um, you have encouraging seen, news. Stu, you have, you have not seen your son? We, we, we have not talked to him, and we have not heard from him. So they haven't seen him. They haven't heard from him. They dropped off a 600-plus page indictment to his lawyer last night, so they put off the hearing. But I feel bad. He's got to spend the weekend in jail. He's got little kids. He's done nothing wrong. He's an exemplary American and Marine. It just drives me nuts. You'll hear what Louis Gohmert's doing. He's doing some great things. We were just saying what happened to Louis Gohmert. Really, WDBO, WOKV listeners, I'm almost sold out on the President Freedom Fighter Tour. Go to BrianKillMe.com, get tickets. I'll get a chance to talk to the fans and talk to the people that care so much about American history. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Also, find out I'm in Clearwater, Florida, so hopefully you'll be able to see me there. And Charleston, West Virginia. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, we're not actually a, a democracy, just to point that out for a, a point of clarification. If we were, then we would be fine with majorities running uh, pell-mell toward all of these types of extreme steps, uh, even if they were uh, the slimmest of majorities. Uh, there's an important reason, and, and the founders really believed in it, that we are not that way, and our government does not work that way. And that's why Joe Manchin is so important in this moment. You know, look, he, he reads politics very well, and uh, not just in his own state, but in, I think, the, the broader dynamic. And I think in this moment, there ought to be a lot of critiques of the approach that Nancy Pelosi used. And that has been Dominic Cho, the Federalist, just trying to make sense of the things as they are coming down over the last few hours uh, last night. And then this morning at 720, we understand Nancy Pelosi uh, was having a meeting with Susan Rice uh, about, you know, obviously with the, the president's uh, national security advisor, uh, head of domestic politics, I guess, to see what the strategy is today. But no deal last night. If anyone knows what's going on inside Washington, it is Susan Page of USA Today, the Washington bureau chief and author of Madam Speaker. And she is in the center of things now. Susan, are you surprised that she is running things and the president isn't? Well, this has happened before, Brian. You remember with the Affordable Care Act, it wasn't really President Obama who got it over the finish line in Congress. It was Nancy Pelosi. So this is a familiar situation for her, although she's not necessarily happy about it. After the fact, she complained she thought President Obama should have been more engaged than he was. We're now at a point, though, that I think the, the Biden White House is fully engaged because their domestic agenda is in peril up on Capitol Hill. What is your thoughts about this 
sheet coming out that Joe Manchin handed Chuck Schumer with strict parameters about what he would and wouldn't sign on to with this reconciliation bill. Because it says, among things, I'll, I'll do an upgrade on the corporate tax uh, to 25%. That's it. We're not going to spend $1 on the reconciliation until all the other money on the bipartisan bill is out the door. We're going to go at the highest is $1.5 trillion. That's all I'll sign off on. Um, and he wasn't into a lot of this social spending. That's dramatically different from Bernie Sanders' $3.5 trillion. So all this time, Chuck Schumer knew there was a cap on what Manchin would tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Chuck Schumer will be getting some questions about why we didn't know about this, why the players on Capitol Hill didn't know about this earlier. But, you know, Brian, I've got to say, on the other hand, some politicians in Washington are having an opposite reaction to this uh, this uh, statement of principle, sort of the statement of what he would accept from Senator Manchin, because this is something that politicians can work with. He's saying one point five trillion there at three point five trillion. Maybe they compromise at two trillion. Manchin is somebody they think they can do business with. They're less sure about Senator Sinema from Arizona. They don't really know what it is she's demanding. Of course, in a 50-50 Senate, you need every single Democrat to be with you. Susan, but I, but I hear she's shoulder to shoulder just letting Joe Manchin take the lead. Do you not hear that? Do you hear this division between Manchin and Sinema? They're talking about different things. Manchin talked about both the price tag, uh, the $1.5 trillion, and also – continuing support for fossil fuels, especially coal. He said he wanted a fuel neutral bill. That is problematic for progressives in the House and in the Senate who want to do uh, things to address climate change. Cinema has talked, at least in public, about her uh, opposition to corporate tax hikes, which is an entirely different thing. That goes to how you pay for it. So, yes, I think there is not a sense that these two senators are exactly on the same page. Susan Page is with us right now, and of course she wrote the book, uh, the very successful, thorough book on Madam, uh, Madam Speaker about Speaker Pelosi to bring us inside how she's approaching this. But I thought Joe Manchin was very candid yesterday. It was really wild uh, meeting he had with a whole cadre of, uh, of members of the press after that page came out talking about the, him, the parameters that he gave Chuck Schumer back in the summer. Cut three. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor. I've been state secretary of state. I've been state legislature. I've been a U.S. senator. And I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I don't fault any of them who believe that they're much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them. And all they need to do is we have to elect more, I guess, for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. Very bottom line. This is what I think. This is what I think. I am not AOC. I'm not petitioning to be a member of the squad. And they seem to be going after Manchin like he's Ted Cruz. You know, and Senator Manchin is exactly uh, correct in saying he's always been a conservative Democrat. And that's why he has survived politically in West Virginia. One thing that keeps Democrat, I mean, of course, a lot of Democratic concern about Senator Manchin and his position on this issue and some other issues. But they realized if if Joe Manchin wasn't the senator from West Virginia, they would not get another Democrat to be the senator from West Virginia, a Democrat who sometimes votes with them, even if he doesn't vote with them all the time. They would be There would be a Republican senator from West Virginia. And that keeps some of the criticism of Senator Manchin in check. That's one reason there is a 
realization that they need to make sure they have him in, online before they move ahead. And that is a dilemma for, for these progressives in the House who have drawn such a sharp line in the sand about what they'll accept and what they won't. So the thing is, it was brought up today in the Wall Street Journal editorial, Susan Page, is that Joe Biden got elected, not Bernie Sanders. This 3.5 or Bernie Sanders, he wanted $6 trillion. That's his agenda. But even Democrats didn't buy into his agenda. They panicked, in my view, when it looked like he might actually get the nomination. And in South Carolina is when the rubber hit the road and James Clyburn decided to anoint Joe Biden despite all his early problems. Uh, and he ends up being their best alternative. So why do they feel as though they have to answer to Bernie Sanders and AOC? Well, Bernie Sanders and AOC have turned out to be very different political figures at this moment in Washington. Bernie Sanders has been a pretty uh, pragmatic politician on this, and he is really arguing with progressives to take what they get. He did that at the point he came down from $6 trillion. That was never a real number. AOC is leading a group of progressives who think this is the moment to enact the most sweeping possible change, and they are getting real pushback, not from Republicans. They're getting pushback from those moderates in the House who represent swing districts who think this is not politically the smart thing for them to do. Very interesting, because uh, I guess Congressman Cohen said, I have cars older than some of these legislatures. They don't have the experience. <laughs> and these it's just so strange to see Democrats going after Democrats and, demuning and using, uh, d- diminishing and using sarcasm. So we should play this out. Let's game this out. Last night, all day, Speaker Pelosi was saying we're going to get a vote. She didn't have a vote because she knew she wouldn't get a win. Now, what's going to change today? Do you give me a prediction, Susan? I don't think it's going to get done today. Uh, I think there are too many things to work out. But, you know, in that wonderful world of Washington, Brian, it is still Thursday on Capitol Hill on the House side because they continue, They never closed the legislative day yesterday. So she can still argue if there's a vote today. She's still got it on Thursday. I think that is unlikely. I think this is going to take a little more time. Uh, that is embarrassing for the White House and for Democrats on the Hill. It's a bad time when it comes to governing. It's not the end of the world. They can negotiate for some additional time, come to a deal, still get it passed. If you get it passed, people forget that messy process that got you there. If they never get it passed, that is a problem for Democrats. I'm reading the New York Times today. Uh, my goodness, I forgot. It might have been Washington Post. And they just talked about the approval rating of the president. And they just don't know how permanent this drop is going to be. With women, he had 57% of the vote. Now it's down to 48. Uh, now his overall approval between 42 to 45, depending on the poll. He's got 60% of voters under 35. Now he's got 45% approval there. With seniors, he's down to 48% approval. What I think is really alarming to them is the approval of Hispanics under, uh, is under 50%. In Texas, Hispanics is under 30%. If you think about Afghanistan, if you think about the border, and you think about his numbers dropping with the pandemic, and we're getting as polarized now as we've ever been, do you think there's a degree of panic at the White House? There, p- panic is a strong word. There is clearly a lot of concern. Uh, and you know who might be panicked? That would be Terry McAuliffe, who is the Democratic nominee for governor of Virginia. He goes before the poll. He goes before the voters on November 2nd. That's an early barometer of how the White House is doing that Virginia governor's race, that Virginia off-year governor's race. He is ahead by a hair uh, in a state like that that is pretty blue. Uh, he ought to be ahead by a little more over Glenn Youngkin, uh, a, a Republican candidate who's never run for office before. That will be an early sign of how Joe Biden is doing. 
Understood. And what's the major issue there? It's going to be very interesting to see where this uh, where this curriculum goes, where it comes to education and critical race theory, because Terry McAuliffe made a huge mistake. And I think when he said, I don't want parents deciding what their kids are learning in that debate, and they immediately made that into an ad. Do you think, because I remember Cuccinelli got close, remember Gillespie got close, Mm -hmm. even though Joe Biden won by 19, do you think that if Youngkin does get close, uh, it is really that much different than Gillespie and Cuccinelli? Well, it's it's uh, that would be a big victory for Republicans. Uh, that would be a big win. You know, no Republican has won in a key statewide race in Virginia since 2009. That is a state that used to be red and is at least purple now. Maybe it's turning blue. That would be a sign that it's not blue yet. Uh, and that's important not only for Virginia. Virginia is a lot like North Carolina and Georgia and other states that Democrats think are heading their way. This would be a pause sign on that sentiment. You know, for the longest time, Susan, when we look at when we talk about stacking the show, people I would hear oh, people are tired of Afghanistan. Oh, you know, unless something happens, don't really bring up Afghanistan. And, you know, if there's a if there's a terror strike, of course, if anyone dies, let us know. But it's really since 2014. It hasn't been a headline that all changed with this evacuation. Can you put in perspective how pervasive uh, that and and how uh, unprepared this administration was, how bad the military handled it and the and the aftermath of this. Can you put this in perspective in terms of staying power? I think there are two problems for the White House when it comes to Afghanistan. One is that this story isn't over. Uh, we continue to have a situation where there are Americans there, there are American allies left uh, there who are trying to get out. That isn't done yet. Uh, we also have predictions from our military leaders that it's going to become a staging ground for terrorist groups again. That is going to raise some questions about uh, what ha- the Biden administration's actions in Afghanistan. The other thing I think more broadly that hurt President Biden with this with this chaotic withdrawal was it went to his uh, image with America, his brand that he would be competent and and, and experienced uh, uh, leader who could avoid situations like this. And not that it wasn't going to, you know, our withdrawal from Afghanistan, popular among Americans, but not the manner in which it was carried out. So I think it, I think it hurt to some degree the characteristics that helped him win the White House. And when you see the fact is it was his call. He went against military, his own military uh, advisors on this. And you saw that for two straight days among questioning among Democrats and Republicans. And you see how uh, how bad this went and how predicted predictable it turns out it was. And now you have an administration doesn't want to talk about it and doesn't want to talk about the 10 percent left behind. we got 90 percent out. They also don't want to talk about the border. And I think the American people care about this. Well, we do have, you know, people care about a secure border for sure, even if they also want to do something to fix our broken immigration system for people who are in this country without documentation illegally at this point. Um, and we've seen some predictions from administration officials of a new surge at the border. That is definitely of some considerable concern to, to everybody. And immigration has long been an issue that uh, President Biden has scored lower on than other issues. People, Americans thought he was, at least until, had, have given him reasonably high marks on handling COVID, pretty good marks on handling the economy. Some of those are now under some strain. He has never gotten 
very strong marks on handling immigration in the border. So clearly uh, an area that, that there is concern about the White House and I think not a clear picture about how they're going to handle this predicted new surge at the border. And lastly, your area of expertise, one of it is the speaker. Who's giving her the hardest time in coming to a deal on both these bills? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, well, it's not the Republicans. I guess it would be I guess it would be the progressives in the House because she needs them to do the traditional political thing and make a deal. And yesterday they were not willing to do that. How does she break them then? Well, she is you know she does have an iron fist, <laughs> and she does have a lot of experience in pulling together a deal pushing through legislation when nobody else thinks it can be done. So I am not prepared to bet against Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Jay Appel, uh, the congresswoman, head of the Progressive Caucus, says we reiterated this again to the speaker, and we're in the same place. We will not be able to vote for the infrastructure bill until the reconciliation bill has been passed. Until that occurs, there aren't the votes to pass it. That was yesterday. We'll see. Doesn't seem to be a lot of wiggle room there if it happens today. Uh, they write in the Wall Street Journal today, too, this, oh, actually, Kimberly Strassel writes, this would be protected. Joe Manchin's protecting the Democrats for themselves, because if this passes and inflation goes up, they're going to get massacred in the midterms. Final thought? Well, we'll see. History says the midterms will be tough for Democrats, but we got a year to go, Brian. And think about what's happened in the past year we didn't predict. That could happen again. The unexpected could happen again over the next year. Susan Page, thanks so much. USA Today's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Madam Speaker. Thanks, Susan. Hey, thank you, Brian. All right. Brings us inside Washington like few others. one 408 7669 Listen, when we come back, I'll try to squeeze in some calls. Remember, I'm on 7 o'clock tonight on primetime. Be there. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I agree. There's no there's no reason to have an exception. People need to be vaccinated. They should know that now, uh, and we'll have the legal authority to announce that very shortly. Uh, I agree with you. They, they need to be vaccinated. Uh, testing will not be an option. I just have to get the regulations to make sure that when we get the inevitable lawsuit, uh, that we're that we're uh, we have uh, all the protections and the defenses to make sure we can establish that we did this properly. Uh, that is the new governor of New York wants to everyone vaccinated that she can and demanding it. And you got to get fired today at five o'clock. Teachers fired. You can't get vaccinated. You might have natural immunity. You're OK with that. I was shocked. Sixty three percent of the American public is OK with mandates for your job. Uh, either you get it or you lose your job. Uh, Tony is in Florida. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing, Brian? I'll talk as quick as I can, man. I'm a 68-year-old small business owner in a coastal community in Florida. And I'll tell you, since the beginning, if it wasn't for news and, and big box being closed for a while last year, we wouldn't even know what the hell anything's even going on. I'm stunned at what's going on in this country. We got these guys on CNN telling me because I'm unvaccinated that I shouldn't be allowed into a hospital. Yep. I got COVID a year ago. I've got natural immunities. I've got the antibodies. I get tested, ne- tested negative ever since. 200 people, two, 2 million people a year die from heart disease. Go to a shopping center. These people, 300-pound human beings stuffed into spandex, walking around. They park 
in front of a fire zone, in front of the dead-gum handicap spots to get to an ATM because they're too fat and out of breath to go park in a parking space. And when they do park in the parking space, they leave their cart in the parking space because they're too out of breath to go somewhere else. Two million people, heart disease. Keep them out of the hospitals. Yeah, Two- we got to make let's let's make sure they're not eating fatty foods and not having late night snacks. And let's find them or fire them. Two million die from cancer. It's not all cigarettes, but it's right on the pack. It tells you it'll kill you, but these people do it anyway. Keep them out of the hospitals. And my last point, 900,000 premeditated last year, ripped out of the womb, slaughtered and thrown in the trash. Why? Because the government is not going to tell me what to do with my body. All right, Tony, thanks. Uh, People are fed up with the mandates, but I guess six out of ten are happy with them. I like to hear from the six because I hear a lot from the four that aren't happy, and I'm one of them. And I've been vaccinated. I just think we're way out of control right now. Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, New York, coming around the country uh, and around the world. This is your show. Uh, of course, Brian Kilmeade, uh, show.com is a chance to listen anytime. And if you want to watch, and who wouldn't want to watch me, uh, on Fox Nation, you can get us right now. We get a lot of calls there. Clay Travis at the bottom of the hour for the Outkick founder and host of, uh, and you see him all over the channel. He's got a special coming out on Fox Nation. And Geraldo's going to be joining us in a matter of moments. We have a lot of exciting things happening on Capitol Hill. Exciting if you're a Republican because both bills could fail. And exciting if you're a Democrat, both bills could pass. I'm talking about trillions upon trillions of dollars of spending. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We got some very encouraging news this evening. As it stands right now, he will remain in jail till early next week. Uh, he's being treated fairly. You have not seen your son? We, we, we have not talked to him, and we have not heard from him. Uh, uh, this is unbelievable. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's dad talking, demanding answers. Why is one Marine in jail and another being investigated simply for expressing their beliefs and appearing at a Trump rally, talking about how he evacuated a child from Kabul Airport? Uh, Afghanistan has more questions today than ever before. The catastrophic exit, it looks as though there was a certain Secretary of State that didn't even show up with the tabletop planning and rehearsal. Number two. On the fight against COVID, we could be seeing a new oral treatment for the, for the disease coming from the pharmaceutical company Merck, which says it has an experimental pill that can significantly reduce the effects of the virus. Keep it down, everybody. There's good news on COVID-19. Cases are dropping. Delta is dying. And a new pill could make us impervious to future variants. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is focusing on mandates. Mandates for the vaccine. The vaccine, if you don't get in certain areas, like, for example, the New York City School District, if you don't get it by 5 o'clock today, you're fired. You work in certain hospitals. If you don't get it this week, you are fired. Is that the way to treat the people we need most? Number one. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do 
without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to one five. No deal yet as moderates and radical Democrats knock heads over a spending bill that is all about party and not about the American people as President Biden disappears and lets the Speaker of the House and Joe Manchin take over. Uh, Geraldo Rivera, you've seen a lot of these situations where we go down to the wire. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. I really believe that Nancy Pelosi thought somehow she was going to get a vote last night. What happened? I wish I knew, Brian, and I'm very disappointed about it. Uh, unlike you, I, I, I'm well. I'm half unlike you. Uh, I, I think the 3.5 trillion dollars uh, is totally excessive, and I think it's uh, the height of arrogance for the Democrats to think that with a 50-50 Senate they could ram this uh, this legislation through. Uh, the 1.9 trillion, with the bipartisan support, though, I am very disappointed because. You know, I live in Cleveland. We need bridges. We need uh, highways. We need new schools. There's, there's a million things that this community and other similar communities uh, could have used that money going to every single congressional district in the country. And then uh, for the progressives in the Democratic Party to hold that uh, that bipartisan bill already voted on in the Senate, to hold that hostage to this 3.5, uh, uh, as Manchin said, uh, you know, the entitlement society is really – that's not the great society. That's the opposite of the great society. That's the society where the bootstrap, you know, today would have been my dad's 106th birthday. Cruz Rivera, one of 17 children, came in 19, was born in 1915, October 1st. He came to this country in 1940, served in the Army, became a staff sergeant, worked hard. He worked in the kitchen uh, when he got home. He became supervisor of the kitchen help. Then he, uh, you know, bought himself a, a little coffee shop in Kings Park on Long Island. Uh, you know, uh, he's the first in his his uh, generation, one of 17, to graduate high school. I became the first to graduate college in my generation, uh, you know, and then my children. Uh, you know, it's, it's the American dream. If we short-circuit the American dream uh, by, you know, slushing money at everyone, regardless of whether they, uh, you know, lift a hand to help themselves, I think it's really very, very distressing. Yeah, so I like uh, I like a lot about the 1.2. I like the repurposing of money that hasn't been spent. 560 billion would be for new projects. Now, Geraldo, you got to make sure that we learn something from the lack of shovel-ready projects. These projects got to be ready to go. They got to be outlined. Each state has got to be in their bidding, and they got to be ready with the shovel and with details and their engineers and go. So that would reinforce the, to the American people that our money's being well spent. As the President Obama said, the shovel-ready projects weren't shovel-ready. So hopefully we learn from that. From that, But it's so fascinating to see Joe Manchin say what we all knew. Cut three. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor. I've been state secretary of state. I've been state legislature. I've been a U.S. senator. And I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I don't fault any of them who believe that they are much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them. And all they need to do is we have to elect more, I guess, for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. Just says it. I mean, that, that's it. He's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to sign up on human infrastructure? You want me to get rid of the whole energy sector? I mean, from West Virginia, you wanted me to lessen coal. But we have other energy uh, needs uh, that we could provide for the rest of the country and the rest of the world. So how does this end? Can you game plan this out? Well, let me just back up one one thing that has to be said. You know that I am estranged from President Trump, who is my dear friend for many years, uh, because of January 6th. 
But what I loved about the president was he put people to work. Unemployment went to record lows among minorities, black, Latino, Asian, women. Uh, you know, that was the free enterprise system that lifted people uh, by, their, by their bootstrap, like my dad. I, I just – we've lost something. We've lost something that, uh, you know, it really is, is very frightening. Uh, we, if half the country wants to stay home when the other half works for them, you're going to exacerbate the social divisions. You're going to really uh, cause irreparable harm to uh, to the American dream, and I I, I really uh, uh, worry about it. And you worry about the and, you worry about the American work ethic. I worry about that, and I, I, you know, cinema and mansion. Let them be moderates. I'm a moderate. I, I, that's one of the reasons I get in trouble. That's why you and I argued last week. That's why on the five I get in a heated uh, battles. I consider myself a middle of the road person. I want some this and some that. I want to help people that need help, uh, but I want to encourage enterprise. I want to encourage people to be like my dad and to go from washing dishes to providing a home uh, for, uh, you know, his family in the suburbs and, and, and get starting businesses and so forth. Uh, you know, without, and the president, uh, President Biden's a nice guy, but he has, seems to me, uh, you know, to have, have lost it. The, you know, I heard you talking earlier about the uh, Marine colonel who's in jail, uh, you know, because he, he, Okay. told some stories about the evacuation uh, that, that didn't go through the chain of command. I think that's un unfortunate. I, I want him released immediately. It doesn't serve any purpose. The point has been made by the Corps that you've got to follow orders. We get it. Now, don't, uh, don't keep him locked up. He's not, he's not a bad guy. But, he's a, but not only that, he's resigning. You know, he's like, goodbye, everybody. I'm done. You want me to resign after 17 years? I'm out. And they said, well, listen, uh, zip it. Uh, we want you on a gag order. He said, not really. I'm not going to do that. Uh, what you've done to this country uh, as president and you through the chain of command and not be accountable is too much for him to stomach. And he spoke out. And this guy's had multiple tours fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. Let me ask you, what is the thought process about jailing him in solitary confinement, knowing that you're about to just be practical, knowing you're about to go in front of Congress for the next two days and you're going to you're going to get grilled about this. And you were. So what are they thinking? It, it makes the competence of this administration, forget about their decisions, uh, and you might disagree with their decisions, but the, comps, the, con, uh, the competence of their execution is what's so disconcerting for me. It's government work. I mean, you know, most of the people in the military are not soldiers. They work as bureaucrats in the Pentagon and in similar facilities and all the different agencies that have to do servicing the, the fighting force. Uh, and as bureaucrats, they, uh, you know, they, they get their nose out of joint about things that, uh, you know, this is not uh, treason. Uh, you know, you can argue a lot of things or, or treason or approach it. This is nothing like that. This is annoying. This is a nuisance. This is a, a guy and who he's right. uh, <laughs> is like a, wh a whistleblower. Uh, it, it really is like a whistleblower. It should be protected. Uh, they made the point anyway. Let him out. And solitary confinement is torture. It is absolute torture. I am opposed to it. The Geneva Convention is opposed to it. It should not exist in our, in our land. And to put a Marine Corps hero in solitary for something so stupid doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. The one thing about, and I made this analogy this morning with uh, Bernie and Sid on 77 WABC, is that the one thing about the Bush administration, you might, I don't like the Iraq war and I don't like, okay, fine. No one ever doubted that Rumsfeld was competent. No one ever doubted that Dick Cheney was competent. So the, the Colin Powell was competent. 
that Condoleezza Rice was ready and prepared to do the job. The biggest shock for me is how incompetent they seem and how disconnected their communications of this will cost us zero, forgetting to commemorate D-Day, to deciding to ground our drone rather than address the problem last week under the bridge in, in Texas. I mean, this is nuts. This is I mean, who gave them the keys to the White House? I thought they had 50 years experience coming off eight years with Barack Obama. It's basically the same people. What happened to the confidence? Well, just the, well, first of all, was it Anthony Blinken who didn't go to the tabletop yeah. discussions of the evacuation? Yeah. I mean, does it and, seem, and his, does and his it deputy. seem like he's absent? Yeah. Where has he been, uh, you know, since January 20th? I, 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 I don't know the guy. Uh, you know, I don't want to judge him by his looks or his name or anything, uh, but it just seems as if uh, he certainly isn't he doesn't conduct himself as Secretary of State with verve or confidence or competence or energy. Oh. Uh, you know, he, he's on vacation when the cobble falls. Uh, you know, it just seems that uh, uh, you know you get you get what you vote for. People have to understand that. So listen you to know, this. Listen Trump- to this, Geraldo. You, I'm so glad you brought that up because I should have brought that up with you. So Anthony Blinken was called out by the Secretary of Defense. That's why they should have been together last week. He said it was state's decision on the evacuation process. We were ready months ago. The state wasn't. And you remember? You might not remember this, but John McCain said this when he was nominated by Barack Obama. Mr. Anthony Tony Blinken, who is not only unqualified. But in fact, in my view, uh, one of the worst uh, selections that of a very bad lot that this president has chosen. Not only is Mr. Blinken unqualified, but he is, I believe, a threat to the traditional interests and values that embody the United States of America. And you know, one of the reasons is because he was all part of pulling out of Iraq and he wouldn't listen to anybody that was cautioning him against it. And push back against the surge. So that was John McCain in 2014. Prescient. And an American hero who knows what the hell he is talking about, yeah. who's risked so much, so so often to serve this country so patriotically, so honestly. And I, I believe him. I, you know, I, I, he knows Blinken. I don't. But I, I trust what I just heard from, uh, from the late Senator McCain. It was, you know, it's... Uh, I, I was on the last convoy out of Iraq. I actually so in the rearview mirror we pulled out of that uh, that base uh, and driving into uh, Kuwait. I was with this. It was, it was I was honored that I was one of the few journalists that was allowed on that on that ride, the ride out. But in the rearview mirror, I swear to God, Brian, what we saw was people storming the base and grabbing the Ford 150 pickup trucks and hijacking them. Right there, you saw before your very eyes the dissolution. Of all of the effort the United States had invested yep. since 2003, it was uh, it was so disheartening. And uh, and all the GIs I was with, yes, you had relief that the the you know the, for them the war was over, uh, at least uh, temporarily. Uh, but uh, to see the mission go to crap like that because of an ill-considered move that made no sense at the time. Uh, now, in, in terms of Iraq, we, I mean, uh, Afghanistan uh, and evacuation and the war ending, you and I have had our differences about that. Uh, I certainly deplore the 
the incredibly sloppy way in which it was executed. I think the war should have ended, but uh, to throw it off a cliff that way probably wasn't the best way to do it, and certainly wasn't the best way to do it in terms of, right. uh, you know, uh, evacuating the soldiers first and the civilians uh, last. What are, you, what are you on this weekend? You on the five today? Uh, not the five today. I have a vacation going to Mexico. I'll see the border from the other side. Uh, then uh, the five starts uh, pretty intensively. But what happens tonight at 6 o'clock on Fox Nation, the Fox exclusive streaming service, cops drops, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Cops is coming back, and my show, Cops All Access, will be discussing the episodes every week, every brand-new cops, it's back despite, uh, all, you know, they took it off the air after 31 successful seasons because of all the anti-police sentiment that swept the country around the George Floyd mm-hmm. uh, time. They, uh, you know, canceled uh, cops, canceled culture. Uh, we're bringing cops back because the vast majority of cops are good, uh, hardworking, patriotic law-abiding people that are the thin blue line between us and anarchy. Uh, so bringing Cops the show back, nice. and then my show, Cops All Access, Fox Nation, tonight, 6 Eastern. Awesome. Fantastic. Geraldo, have a great weekend. We'll you watch too, tonight Thanks. at 6. You got it. Okay. I like the nice Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the nice Geraldo. Uh, okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. one 408 I'll be back with your calls and some insight. Remember, I'll be on tonight at 7 o'clock on primetime. That's how it'll close out your Friday. But first watch, Geraldo at 6. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox host Brian Kilmeade tried the same thing this week in an interview with Republican Senator John Kennedy. Kilmeade was trying to ask Kennedy what Republicans would do about the fact that the Democrats' agenda is likely to be popular with voters and came so close to realizing what he was actually admitting. Senator, here's what I, here's what I fear, though. If you uh-huh. tell someone I'm giving you free, uh, free preschool, if you tell someone I'm giving you free junior college, if you tell someone I'm going to give you free school lunch, if you tell someone free elder care, issues need to be addressed, yes, but if you write all those people a check, you got their votes, and we're sitting there and have to balance the books. Doesn't that worry you? He's like the one employee at Ikea who's worried that giving out free meatballs will attract more customers. Whoa, 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 if we give these out, aren't more people just going to come to the store? Okay, just don't come to me when we run out of Fjallbor shelves. Yeah, I don't see the humor. Does he not get it? There's no humor. He absolutely doesn't understand does, the policy implications of it. it. Yeah, it's crazy. I, it's unbelievable that I just heard that. I know. I I will say the one funny thing about that doesn't translate for radio. They did have like a little over-the-shoulder shot of your face on a person with an Ikea uniform on. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was okay, it. I mean, it, it's the, it used, late night used to be, that used to be Conan O'Brien's slot. That used to be, uh, used to be funny, Frank Ferguson's smart. slot. Yeah, I mean... I, I'm just maybe it was NBC. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was Letterman's shot. Yeah. It was Letterman's. So I this is what they don't get. Does he understand it's unaffordable? I guess I should have made it clear, but I think the, my, our audience has a certain competence to know there's no free lunch in this country. It's not worth saying get pulling us out of wars could be popular. Then he'd have a point. But we're just trying to say is not everything's free. Do I have to be clearer? You say, said wait, balance. This is unaffor- yeah. You said balance the books. Ugh. You really caused me great stress.
I did uh, my job well. Thank you. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Clay Travis, he never causes me stress, only provides insight. Next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think Nancy Pelosi's going to twist some arms and she is going to put it on the floor uh, maybe today. Mm. She is definitely pushing it forward today. And so we'll see if they have the votes. They're counting on a very small group of Republicans for all Americans out there. Get on the phone, start calling your member of Congress, let them know where you're at. That's the most help that anyone can do right now. Uh, that's Kat Kamek, uh, a rookie, uh, a freshman congresswoman, wondering what's happening on the Democratic side. The Republicans are dealt out. But Nancy Pelosi, for the first time maybe in her career, was unable to keep her caucus, uh, get them to agree on anything. And last night, after guaranteeing there would be a vote on the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill and the reconciliation bill, she got neither. 7.30, she was back in the office meeting with White House, uh, Susan Rice of the White House. And guess what? So far, nothing. We'll see if they get a vote today. But there's uh, there's huge gaps between what the moderates, so-called moderates, Josh Gottheimer, Joe Manchin, uh, Kirsten Sinema want, and what the squad want. They laugh at $1.2 as if that won't pay the bills. Joining me now is a guy who never pays his bills and doesn't seem to care, Clay Travis. He's OutKick founder, host of the uh, Clay and Buck Show. And also, uh, Clay is on the road ready to go to another college football game, which they're paying him to do. Clay, welcome back. Brian, you must have been checking my uh, my cell phone bills and my, sorry, my credit card bills uh, because my wife's been uh, running uh, running rampant. There's no doubt about this. Yeah, that's uh, when that's it comes true. To bills. Uh, uh, yeah, in advance of Christmas already. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm on the road right now, so if the cell phone's a little bit spotty, it's because it's all good. Uh, we're headed to uh, Tuscaloosa for the big uh, Ole Miss-Alabama game this weekend on the Outkick bus tour. And, uh, I mean, I think I got the best job in America. Uh, it's tough to beat. Yeah, and you're proving one thing, that wherever you go, the virus doesn't. Every major sporting <laughs> event that you've been to, there's no surge behind you. And keep a secret, Clay, if you can keep a secret, uh, there's some good news. The variant is dying. Delta is dropping off a cliff. It's down 25% through the country. And if you look at the maps of, of states on the rise, only the upper northwest is where they're seeing any type of increase. We're turning the corner on this. I hope, I hope you're right, and uh, certainly it flies in the face of what Dr. Fauci said when college football kicked off with millions of people all over the country, and certainly that's been supplemented by the NFL as well. He said that COVID was going to feast all over the South, and the reality is, and I'm sure you saw this too, we had a lot of stories about surging viral counts uh, for COVID all over the red states, and there have been hardly any of those stories as most of these states, whether it's Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Texas, have seen, you know, approaching 50% level declines, uh, even as college football season has kicked off, as kids have gone back to school, uh, and as we've moved uh, into the fall, which is an overall good sign. I'd I'd like to think that uh, hopefully we can come through this and not have another surge during the winter. We'll see what, uh, what the, you know, what this story foretells going forward, but the trend lines right now uh, are pretty good. 
Uh, I know you're going to do your show shortly, but one of the things that uh, I guess the American people are for that I am not are these massive mandates that costing people their jobs. You know, in New Amen. York, they're going to lose tens of thousands of medical workers of all shapes and sizes and different uh, job descriptions. At 5 o'clock today, the teachers, same thing's going to be happening out in California and North Carolina. And I'm sure it's going to spread through a lot of these states. I mean, how did we get here? Why did the American people not understand that people can make their own decisions about their health? Yeah, it's funny. My wife uh, compared it to, uh, and we talked about this on the radio show too, Brian, it's like saying, hey, mandates are effective in the same way that a stick-up is effective. Yeah, you get money if you walk up and you uh, put somebody under severe consequences. Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. And Frankly, I think what we're seeing here is the, the analogy I used recently, Brian, was, you know, we've got tens of thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the border being allowed to enter into our country, and none of them are being vaccinated, um, despite the fact that they have high levels of COVID that are in those communities. Yet we're mandating vaccines for people coming into the country who are visiting Mexico, uh, uh, sorry, visiting from other countries to come in from Europe, for instance. And if you go to Mexico on a vacation, you have to have a negative test to be able to enter in the country, even if you're a citizen. And I said, why is that going on? This is me putting my lawyer hat on. It's because the Biden administration knows that if they started mandating vaccines for illegal immigrants, it'd be struck down by the court because the federal government doesn't have the right to do it. And so what they're trying to do is force uh, through, uh, through force with companies and sort of the external factors there. I think eventually this is going to get shut down, like we saw with the eviction, uh, with the eviction extension, which was uh, unconstitutional. I think the mandates are unconstitutional. But by the time the courts get around to ruling on them across the nation, uh, we're months into uh, into winter or the spring. Absolutely, Clay. That's interesting because they also the natural immunity. Jonathan Turley saying that one of the strongest arguments is I have the antibodies. What does the vaccine do? Give you antibodies? So give That's me right. the antibody test, and then I could then give me that card. Let me put that on my iPhone, and let me get Brian, the, let me go back to restaurants. That's what I did. Was uh, was I've had COVID and I've recovered from it, and uh, and so I got an antibody test. Still have antibodies. And uh, there's a lot of Israeli data that reflects that the best possible way to protect yourself from COVID is natural immunity, not vaccinated immunity. That's more long-lasting, more powerful. Based on the biggest studies out of Israel, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of reliable data in the United States. It's inexcusable uh, that we don't. Uh, it is. It, it completely is because it uh, disallows us to have an intelligent public policy response uh, when we really need to be able to have that data and be able to make realistic and reasonable decisions on behalf of the country. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, for the CDC doesn't come up with their own studies. We've got to go d- dip into other countries. When we have all this data here, no one's taking the time to round it up. So, uh, Clay, you're a big sports guy as well. You never stop. One of the big stories uh, in regular season football history is Tom Brady, 45 years old, coming off a Super Bowl championship with the Bucks, going to play a team that he won six with against Bill Belichick. The subplot is a book's coming out that's saying Kraft doesn't like Belichick. Belichick wouldn't meet with Brady before he left. Um, it's uh, a fascinating tale. Belichick likes to say two or three words, but it's being, being asked constantly about his relationship now with uh, Tom Brady. And first off, your take on how this is going to go down. Well, I think Brady and the and the Bucks are going to cover. I think they're going to win. I don't think the Patriots have a significant enough offensive weaponry right now to keep up with this, uh, this Bucks offense. So I think uh, as good as Brady is, the weakest point for uh, for the Patriots is uh, is the offense in terms of being able to keep up with the Bucks overall. 
Uh, and so I think that's where this game will be decided. Um, and look, I mean, this Brady Belichick uh, sort of soap opera has been one that has been debated for years yep. and years among sports fans. And the question has been, hey, who's more impactful, the greatest coach potentially in the history of the NFL or the greatest quarterback potentially in the history of the NFL? And at least right now, based on Brady leaving to go in Tampa Bay and immediately winning another Super Bowl, it looks like Belichick's a very good coach. But without Brady, he looks uh, way more average. And so Brady looks like the more paramount uh, and important aspect of that dynasty right now than, uh, than Belichick. Yeah, it makes people think, uh, uh, think that maybe the Belichick that coached in Cleveland, the only thing missing was he didn't have Brady. Uh, and right. he, he did not do well in Cleveland. He had Vinny, Test- Vinny Testaverde. I want you to hear what uh, Brady said about this game. We had a great relationship. Um, I think everything was handled the right way. You know, we handled everything as gracefully as we could. Um, it was an amazing, like I said, time, and um, it was handled. It was handled perfectly. I think everyone understood, you know, where we we're at, the people involved in the situation, and um, you know, things worked out for the best for for all of us. And we're all trying to do the best we could do now. Well, do you believe that? I don't think that's true. Remember he said he didn't have time to visit uh, Belichick before he left? He just went to Bob Kraft's house? It was too yeah, late? Yeah, I, I don't believe it. I think he's trying to take the high road a little bit here, Brady. But, um, but look, I mean, Belichick has consistently proven that for him, football is not really an emotional endeavor. It's much more of a logical and analytical endeavor. And that means oftentimes cutting bait with your players when you think they are overvalued relative to their cost. And I think the miscalculation that certainly Belichick appears to have made here is Brady still looks like he has several more good years of playing quarterback, and it doesn't seem like Belichick believed that was true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Also, uh, Brady was like, excuse me, where's my talent? Uh, You're not bringing any receivers. You're not bringing any new linemen, and you're not asking me for input. You're treating me like any other player, and I'm not. Here's Belichick. Certainly Tom has an intimate knowledge of everything that we do here, more so than any other player in the league by far. So surely he's to his advantage, I would expect him to. You know, I don't think I don't think it would be in our best interest to go in there and, you know, do everything differently than we've done it all year. I mean, what we need to do is continue to do things that we do and do them better. That would help us more than anything else. So so we'll try to do. I mean the rating's gonna be through the roof for this and they just oh, signed no Richard doubt. Sherman too. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, Gronk going back to New England, also a big story. And look, I mean, Mac Jones, of all of the rookie quarterbacks, I would say has probably looked the best. And so uh, it's a lot to expect for a a young guy to step in and the shoes that Brady has left there, the legacy, the dynasty that he's left. Uh, But there certainly will be a lot of people looking at Mac Jones and wondering, if he can be the resurgent quarterback force to bring the Patriots back into the playoffs and return Bill Belichick to uh, to a realm of, uh, of of gridiron genius or whether Belichick's going to continue to fade without, uh, without Tom Brady. Hey, Clay, uh, lastly, just on your sports knowledge, I'm looking at baseball, and we're in the backstretch, and I know in certain areas, you know, the Yankees are going to probably make it through the wild card, and, of course, Tampa – has been this stellar organization. The Dodgers seem to have the great farm system as well as the big payroll. So having said that, it doesn't seem like baseball has really gotten cornered the market like or have their portion of the sports fans that they used to. It doesn't seem like it's got the passion. 
Yeah, it's Brian, what you find that's so interesting is baseball is a regional sport. Um, so you desperately care potentially about your local team. But baseball doesn't have the big national stories. And it's an interesting sto- uh, story we talked about a lot when I did uh, the, the, the regular radio show, uh, I'll the coverage sports show. If you look and compare, for instance, NBA teams locally with Major League Baseball teams that are in the same market, the major teams dominate the NBA teams in terms of people going to games, obviously, all of that. But the NBA does a better job of branding its stories on a national level and making everybody care. Just like the game in the NFL we talked about, there are a lot of people who don't have any interest at all in the Tampa Bay Bucks or the New England Patriots from a do they win a championship level or not, but they'll tune in. Baseball doesn't have that. And one reason, and I, this is my theory on it, I'm curious what you think, is the best baseball players can go out and go 0 for 4 and not be very good in a game. Brady most of the time is going to be really good at quarterback. LeBron James is going to play really well at basketball. They don't look bad in their sport. Baseball does, which is why it rewards you paying attention every day, but it's more of a local and regional game than it is a national one. I, I, I buy into that wholeheartedly. They don't have that breakthrough personality as well, even though they got some really stellar players and uh, Aaron Judge in the number one market, but still hasn't broken through like Jeter did. Um, by the way, this story just came in while you were talking. During Tom Brady's reign in New England, there's baby names, uh, babies named Brady. Uh, there were 3,268 names named Brady. And there was no surge <laughs> of that until Tom Brady started winning championships. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, right. There's a whole generation of Brady's that are uh, certainly grown up and, and enjoyed. Remember, I mean, the Patriots, everybody forgets, but the Patriots are one of the worst franchises in the NFL, I mean, uh, prior to Brady getting there, I mean, they were, you know, the, the, they were the Browns before the Browns were the Browns, and uh, and he turned them into a, an elite, unbelievably valuable franchise. He did. Uh, Clay, what's clicking on our click? You know, we're getting ready. I, I love college football in the NFL week, like, you know, Christmas morning, Christmas Eve uh, for me. And so we're writing up all the big games. We got Ole Miss, Alabama, we'll be with the bus tour, we got the Brady game. Uh, as you just mentioned, going on the road uh, with Tampa Bay against the Patriots, and people are obsessively clicking through to get their fill as they get their final Friday in before uh, we get the weekend festivities. Go get them. Uh, Clay Travis, Outkick founder, host of the Clay and Buck Show. Thanks so much, Clay. Appreciate it, Brian. Go get them. one 408 7669 We'll take some calls, but also find out if you need to know more. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, it's been a big week for lawmakers. Last night was the annual congressional baseball game with Democrats facing off against Republicans at Nationals Park. Uh, It was just baseball, no politics, until the Republican catcher went nuts about having to wear a mask. That is funny. That is fantastic. That is great. It was a good joke. Yeah, that's all we want. I mean, that's all we want. 
So uh, that was, uh, of course, the Tonight Show. But the big story is at nine o'clock, I think eleven o'clock, Stanley Hoyer came out and said there'll be no vote tonight, and it was a, a loss for Nancy Pelosi. Who always finds a way to get it done and promised to get it done. But we'll see today why this week because the moderates came off and signed off on the framework for the reconciliation package. If Nancy Pelosi promised to get a vote on the bipartisan bill by the twenty seventh, didn't happen. Twenty ninth, didn't happen. Here we are, October 1st. It has not happened. Is she going to get it today? And then they say that Kirsten Cinema is not going to tolerate it if they don't get a vote at all in the House. They're going to back, she's going to, you're going to lose her support for the bipartisan bill in the Senate. Here's what Mike Allen found out and said on MSNBC. You know, he co-founded Axios, Cut 19. She is willing to walk away. And as you know from your own reporting, the White House has always been confident. President Biden personally has been confident, has said behind the scenes, Joe Manchin is a Democrat. In the end, he'll be with me, a Joe to Joe uh, sort of bonding. They have no such assurance with her. And uh, she's enjoying uh, the power broker role. Uh, Hans Nichols at Axios uh, reported on uh, secret spreadsheets that she keeps as rare for uh, an actual senator, like like the spending, the taxes, like she keeps track of it and pulls it out. When she goes into these negotiations, she has receipts. Wow, Uh, that's pretty impressive. He went on, cut 18. Kirsten Sinema sort of snuck up on people. Now equally a player, maybe bigger, and here's why. She's tougher to read. So with Joe Manchin, you usually know sort of the top line, the bottom line, however you want to look at it. With her, you're not so sure. And you're having her fellow senators comparing her, not always favorably, to the other Arizona Maverick, uh, the late John McCain. So she's tough to read because she cares more about taxes than about the spending side that he cares about. And yet she came through college on Pell Grants and cares about climate. True. Uh, That's what makes her a Democrat. So she's complex. I get it. But you know what's crazy? Mark Kelly's up for re-election. You don't hear anything from Mark Kelly. Next year, 2022, it's going to be, you know, the Republicans are targeting that seat. The attorney general wants it. It's going to go after it. And you don't see Mark Kelly trying to be a moderate at all. You don't see him doing anything ever. He's got all this military experience. He's an astronaut. We get it. His uh, wife was uh, shot. Gun control. Take it on, uh, you know, Gabby Giffords. Uh, so could take a lead in all these places. But it's Kirsten Sinema, who's not up for quite a few years, I think four more years, who is actually leading the charge. So you got to believe it's sincere and is ticking people off. Well, to me, I've always been, tell me the game, tell me the rules, tell me what I have to do. To Nancy Pelosi's credit, she has not gone after them specifically. In fact, she's thrown praise at Manchin because you can't alienate them. Even though you're angry, you can't alienate them. They have no problem going after cinema. I don't know why. Men attacking her, if it was, a Repu- it was vice versa with Republicans, they'd be yelling sexism. And it's not Mike, not Mike Allen. He's just reporting it. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com. I want you to meet me out on the road December 3rd and 4th. December 3rd in Ponte Vedra, December 4th in Clearwater. And, of course, November 7th in Charleston, West Virginia. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest minutes of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Coming up this hour, Dan Bongino, who many people who are watching Fox Nation will see that he is already in studio. He's going to be doing the five again tonight, right, Dan? Yeah. Right? You're going to be doing the five? Yeah, They're working your heart. But, and then I got my show. I got to right. record, record after that. And I asked you to come out with us last night. I went out with the crew in the, at 7 p.m. I couldn't do it. I you couldn't. Can... I love you to death. There's nobody I enjoy and talking I, and to And I said more. I would pay. I, you you would pay and everything, but I, I, I couldn't do it. I would have passed out. Wow. It would have been humiliating. We have so much to talk about, including a deal that's not done. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We got some very encouraging news this evening. As it stands right now, he will remain in jail till early next week. Uh, he's being treated fairly. You have not seen your son? We, we, we have not talked to him and we have not heard from him. Demanding answers. Why is the one Marine in jail, another being investigated simply for expressing their beliefs appearing at a Trump rally uh, in the U.S., while the Afghanistan and more, many in, the, in Afghanistan and more are just sitting in that country waiting for a chance to get out after the catastrophic exit of our military. Number two. On the fight against COVID, we could be seeing a new oral treatment for the, for the disease coming from the pharmaceutical company Merck, which says it has an experimental pill that can significantly reduce the effects of the virus. Shh. Good news on COVID-19. Cases are dropping. Delta is dying. And a new pill will make us impervious to future variants. Those, it's great news, but no one seems to want to report great news. And certainly the Biden administration wants to talk about mandate mania, where tens of thousands are losing their job because they won't get the shot. Number one. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to one five. Yeah, there you go. No deal yet as moderates and radical Democrats knock heads over a spending bill that is all about party and not about the American people as President Biden disappears and lets Pelosi and Manchin take over. And the table is now set. Dan Bongino, uh, you're getting set to host uh, Unfiltered with Dan Bongino. Be on the five first on Friday. So you got your weekend show. You got your podcast. You got your radio show. Busy guy. You know, I had a lot of fun with you this week on the Seven Show. Yeah, the, you run you were, twice. I, I was actually kind of joking. I was upstairs talking all like the suits and stuff like that. And I'm like, gosh, you know, there was the appearances like that are just like they're great. They're candid, but we, you know, we dug into kind of serious stuff. We laughed a little bit, but we hit the facts and the. It's just uh, you're very good at it. You're very funny, but the walk around thing you do. I'm still trying. I can't do that. You I got to like sit. It? No, no, I, no, I like it, but I got to sit in a chair. When I'm doing my Fox show, it's like, just plant me in a chair. But you really? do the, you're like doing laps, man. You get down. Uh, to me, I, my, my image is to walk, touch a big wall, yeah. talk to somebody, then go sit down with you. And for the longest time, we had no crew here right. because we're robots and the, the pandemic and it was too much of a risk. Now we're staffed. But do you sense that it's. I mean, obviously, you've been on the air for decades now. I mean, on TV, and you've been here for the radio for a while, too. Is it just a level of comfortability? Because, you know, me being a new TV host, I've, uh, you know, I find I'm almost uncomfortable. Like, I need a, I, I need a regimen. Like, you don't care. Like, you'll do it. You'll talk. You'll walk and talk. You'll right. be downstairs. You're upstairs. I was watching you yesterday and kind of taking some cues. As in, look at me. I'm, hijack- I'm hijacking your show again. I can <laughs> you're never yelling stop. at Allison. But is, is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is this like a – is it because of the familiarity – like you're just comfortable doing that kind of stuff? Yeah, and I, I always feel, I always want to move. Uh, 
I mean, I always want to give people a sense of what it's like in their living room. And my sense is you don't sit in one place and just talk. I want to move. So I want to stand and, and give you a sense at home. My sense is, too, the audience has got a million things to do. So in the morning, obviously, they're getting dressed and they're shaving and they're doing the things they got to do. They got to get ready to get people ready for school. So I want them to turn around and go, oh, what's right. going on now? I, I never asked you that. Yeah. That's, a, that's right. really, that's awesome. I never, I wanted to ask you kind of OTR, like off the record, why you do that. But that makes perfect sense. You're right. You don't want to stare at the same thing all yeah. the time, right? And, and I, I also think is like, what's going on there? I want people to go, what's going on? I got to turn. And, uh, and you managed to do that too with your opinions and your diverse background. So here's what's going on, you say. You don't feel like you're on television or radio. You say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's my experience. Secret Service as a cop and now as a talk show host and all the contacts you have running for Congress. So you got this wealth of background to give your perspective, and this perspective is what people want. But you don't feel like you're on. Like right now, you don't feel like you're on. We'd be having the same conversation if we were at Del Frisco's across the street, right? Yeah, and I, I, I think that's why and, – and thank you to the audience. You all are so wonderful – I think that's why the, the content has resonated. The digital space, the books, the podcast, the radio show, which has been a big success. You know, unfiltered, where we, you know the ratings have been amazing. I think it's because I don't. One, I don't treat the audience like an idiot. You don't do the same. You do the yeah. same thing. Like you have this, just you have this natural. Like it feels like you're having a beer with a guy, but you're talking about serious stuff at the same time. And I think in this new kind of Twitter era, Brian, where people are used to kind of almost candid video. Everyone's on television. No one wants the, the yeah. leave it to beaver approach where everything's so formal and everyone's in a suit. They want to feel like, oh, like this is a conversation we're having and I'm interested in it. And I think you got a real gift for that in the seven hour. And yeah, I've, I've kind of taken that. And, you know, with my podcast and everything, I mean, even yeah. with like the ties and stuff. I know you're all like official, but I ain't wearing that. I don't right. know. I ain't wearing no ties no, at all. I am the best dressed guy in radio <laughs> history. Uh, let's be honest. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. So, this is my formal wear. Uh, I know. Yeah. Formal wear. And yeah. you know, you wear your tattoos every day now. I, in I the do. beginning, you used to take them off. I tried washing them off. It wasn't uh, working. So it was very fascinating to see what goes on. And it, first time they say maybe in 20 years, and Nancy Pelosi doesn't have control over caucus. Yeah. Now, I don't know how it's going. I think they'll end up getting something. But listen to Joe Manchin, how candid this is. Cut three. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor. I've been state secretary of state. I've been state legislature. Okay. I've been a U.S. senator. And I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I don't fault any of them who believe that they're much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them. And so, all they need to do is we have to elect more, I guess, for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. So Joe Manchin just says elect more liberals. And then the Democrats can get their can do their thing and and can get the AOC agenda passed. But I'm not going to change. Yeah, I didn't hear that. But I being that I'm a competent radio professional, I'm kidding. I have heard the thing because yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Here's the thing: Mansion's right. If you had a mandate, I, I live by the money ball. You ever see Money Ball, Brad Pitt? Yeah, the greatest line in the movie ever. If he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Right? It's the best line ever. Like, Brad yeah, Pitt, yeah. he's a good hitter. They're all making excuses. Well, you know, sometimes he misses the pop. So this is the money ball theory. Like, if, if liberals have such a mandate, then why don't liberals have such a mandate? Like, if you had a mandate, why do you only have a five-vote majority on the House side and a split Senate? So Manchin's actually saving the Democrats from themselves, Brian. He's saying, okay, you want to vote for this? Vote for this. But why don't you wait till 2022? Run on this plan, see if the people vote for it, and then if, you know what, if the Democrats win a huge majority in 2022, then go ahead and do it then. Is that not common sense? Right? Yeah. Are we all crazy? Well, no, but you know, just jam it through, just go along with the party. Why aren't you on, why aren't you on the team? 
And that's the this is a big thing. So then you have AOC who is clueless and doesn't understand that she's clueless. So where's that cut where she was walking through? The audio is not great. So it's cut number two. Here is AOC. When she gets word that a paper was actually written, handed over to Chuck Schumer and signed by Joe Manchin that says, I'll raise taxes to 25 percent, not 28 percent. The top rate, I'll go up, but I'm not going on X, Y, and Z. And the most I'll ever sign off on is $1.5 trillion. When that word gets to AOC, listen to her standing with her other squad members. Uh, for one year? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, is that uh, there's a lot of games being played with, with this number. Let's be really clear about what the current status is with $3.5 trillion. That's $350 billion per year. So if this is really about the deficit, then maybe we go after our defense spending and find our savings there. So, so she says, how dare you? I, just $1.5 million for one year? Does she understand what a trillion is? Does she have any clue? This is a bartender in oh, I Queens. Know. I know, I know. And by the way, this is just like the, the dumbest political strategy I've ever seen in my life. So just to be clear, right, Joe Manchin is the swing vote. He sinks the whole thing, right? So your plan, if you're the bartender, right, is let me crap all over the one guy who can sink the whole You know what it reminds me of? You know, re- listen, as Republicans, sometimes we mess this stuff up too. But remember the Kavanaugh hearing when Jeff Flake could have sunk the whole thing on the committee? And I can't stand Jeff Flake. He's the Arlen Specter of Mitt Romney's. But the Republicans were smart. It was a Friday. He was like, we're going to delay it a little. Republicans could have filleted this guy. In, and he was a loser flake. But over the weekend, they were very delicate with him because they knew he'd sink it. They, and then he came back on Monday, and they, they got Kavanaugh through, right? Not AOC. She's like, you know what? Let's just crap on Manchin more. Like, is this woman an idiot? Like, what are the Democrats going to wake up? Like, she's a cancer to your party. She's destroyed. But she's Dan, good for Republicans. But, but uh, Dan Bongino, you know that they have no control over who, who they're going to put in Queens. No. Uh, and obviously, they blew that thing with Joe Crowley, who was probably going to be speaker. Uh, they said that— And Crowley and, just didn't take her seriously. Right. So she— has this, and now there's a squad, now there's an ultra-left wing that Nancy Pelosi can't control. So people go, oh, she's going to twist arms and break arms. How? Just yeah. what's the leverage? You can't yell at people and make yeah. them change. Yeah, those days are over. You know what the great uh, equalizer was in politics, and I think you'd agree? It was obviously the advent of the explosion of Twitter and social media. It democratized the ability for minority members to have outsized voices. You know, I've been following politics for a long time, since I'm 16 years old. I've been really into it. And back then, if you were a minority member of Congress from a district in Queens and you had no significant chairmanship, unless you got on Walter Cronkite in the nightly news, like nobody gave a damn what you had to say. You could howl all you want from a megaphone. There was no one there. Now with Twitter, she does a viral video and she can crush people's fundraising in a heartbeat. So AOC has effectively become, and it pains me to say it, the queen, uh, you know, of the party. But she's arguably more powerful than Pelosi herself. Right. But her but her. Plans are not popular with the American people. They're just popular exactly. with the ultra-left wing. Exactly. And that's what Kimberly Strassel writes in today's Wall Street Journal. Joe Manchin is actually saving the party by making by allowing them not to sign off on this human infrastructure, which would, if Bernie Sanders has way, be $6 trillion, which we think is listed at $3.5 trillion, which when it plays out is really $4.5 trillion. But that total is dead. Because yeah. no one's getting up to that again, and Nancy Pelosi said as much. I mean, Brian, listen, we don't have that money, and Manchin's smart here. 
Manchin's saying if we don't have the money and we have to issue bonds to raise it, right? And I know liberals listen to your show like my libs. This is simple economics 101, okay? We don't have the money. The tax base isn't there. So when, where does the money come from if we're going to spend it? Well, it comes from the issuing of bonds and debt instruments. Well, when no one buys the debt instruments, the Federal Reserve buys them and prints the money. So Manchin's not dumb. He's like, well, if we're going to wind up printing a half a trillion or a trillion or a trillion and five dollars and just randomly insert it into the economy, that's more money chasing the same products, which means the products are going to cost more and inflation is going to get even worse. Liberals are hearing this for the first time. Stunned. Manchin's no dope, though. And he used the dollar store analogy. He the, goes, the dollar store no longer can be a dollar. It's a dollar, dollar plus store And now. that's yeah. the inflation. And if you want to get America's American oh. suburban America's attention, send them to the supermarket. And then have them less, pay more, and get less. Well, you remember the Carter era? What crushed Carter? Stagflation. Right. Because everybody knows. Listen, you can hide a tax in a million different places. You can't hide inflation. Right. You go to the gas tank, you fill up your gas tank, excuse me, and it's $7 a gallon. You think America is not going to be a, you know, a, a, an electoral route? They're going to get all these people. That's what happened to Carter. You got crushed. And keep in mind, the... The Tea Party took out Barack Obama at the midterm. You were probably you in Secret Service then. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sixty-three seats in the House. I remember it well. So, and he yeah. never he never got close. He lost the Ted Kennedy seat a few months in. That's how bad it got, Scott Brown. Yeah, he got uh, destroyed. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll, we'll take some calls, open up the phones. We got more to talk about, uh, including the good news on the COVID nineteen virus. The, why do people hesitate on reporting good news, and why does the administration run from it? We'll discuss it. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Durham appears to be widening the net and zeroing in on additional people closing in on them that may face potential criminal indictment because it's a crime to knowingly lie to the FBI to frame somebody, in this case Donald Trump. And the documents clearly show it was Hillary Clinton who invented the lie, and then she delegated her dirty work, Sean, to a, a coterie of Confederates, including, as you point out, the Perkins Coie law firm that not only allegedly disseminated the lie of the Trump-Russia hoax, but they lied about their clients. So other additional charges could include false statements to the FBI, obstruction of justice, and because more than one individual was involved, a criminal conspiracy. So, Greg Jarrett, breaking down what happened yesterday. With all the with the plethora of news, you might have missed it. And without the big names, you might think that Durham is not doing much. And it's just not true. Talked to a lot of experts and talked to Jim Jordan last night on primetime. And Michael Sussman was indicted a couple of weeks ago. Who's Michael Sussman? So he's a lead attorney, ends up uh, working with the Clinton campaign with uh, Perkins Coie, and that's a major firm working with the Clinton campaign. And he walks up, he says as a concerned citizen, and gave this information, which he thinks is a bank link, an investment link, right to Russia that Trump's involved with. 
And the FBI takes this, this uh, Jim Baker, who we all know now, takes this at face value, doesn't look into his background to see if he maybe have an axe to grind or is a political operative, which he is, and they find out later. They take this and they start investigating it. And that's part of the big Russia probe that the FBI is now looking into Donald Trump because a concerned citizen, uh, and who happens to be a lawyer, gave this information over. But it turns out he was never transparent about his links to the Clinton campaign. And since that time, yesterday, five more subpoenas went out, including the cyber guy in charge of working with him. The cyber guy that would be there providing evidence and information of a fictional link between, we now know fictional, a a bank that Trump's associated with. And Russia that shows he's compromised, which means they're doing a full-blown investigation behind the scenes on an elected and a sitting president that blew up the presidency of Donald Trump and certainly distracted for two and a half years and cost us millions of dollars. For people who say that John Durham sold out or that Joe Biden stopping him, neither one is true. Evidently, I don't know what it's like to conduct a thorough investigation like this, but Chris Christie does, and he knows John Durham, and he said Durham's doing a methodical job. You get one, and you move through. There's something that Sussman revealed that they were able to get through discovery or through an interview that's moving this forward with multiple subpoenas, and it's going to the Clinton campaign. The overall theory is, and no one's better than this than Dan Bongino, he has educated me so much on the genesis of this investigation. The theory is, When the emails came out and it made the secretary of state, former secretary of state who wants to be president of the United States, look totally irresponsible working on her iPhone or BlackBerry and then putting these emails through a personal email, leaving our national secrets susceptible to hacking. And what those emails revealed and then then the hacking of John Podesta's emails was so embarrassing and so compromising. They had to get America's mind off it. How do you do that? Well, the guy that's winning, the guy that's challenging is compromised by Russia. And when they lost anyway, they decided we're going to continue this investigation. We're going to hamstring him. We're going to try to get him impeached. Please tell me that matters to you. That's why it's important we find this out. That one campaign can do this to another is unbelievable. That all that we could be distracted and have CNN get huge ratings and sell huge advertising and MSNBC and all the networks, Russia, the linkage, it hurt our country internationally. It made us look like a third world nation. Uh, by the way, Vladimir Putin's an evil guy, right? But he's not stupid. He's a KGB guy. And he's seen that America's compromised and he played into it. Was unable to really exert our influence on the world stage like it should have over the, over the four years with Donald Trump. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Normally, there are maybe seven, 8,000 a year that come through. But since the Biden administration entered office and uh, put into place its policies, it's acted as a clarion call to the entire world. The entire world, 120 countries plus, are heading through what they call the Darien Gap to Panama and on up. 
That's how most of these Haitians got here in the first place to the Texas border. That's how a whole bunch more are going to be coming through and way more besides Haitians. I'm talking from the Middle East, from China, from all the nations of Africa. They're all headed to the border to take advantage. Todd Benzman, not a political pundit, but he's at the Center for Immigration Studies. He actually went down to the ground to Panama to see what was happening last year. And the foreign minister of Panama has been, as I've been saying on this show, uh, alerted the Biden administration about what was happening through their country. Guess why? It was almost self-interest. Says, I don't want people trafficking through our country from Colombia. A lot of them are just under the impression you're going to let them in. You have to change that impression. They would not do that. Instead, they're battling in court because the courts upheld the Remain in Mexico policy of Donald Trump. They're battling to get that out. They're battling to make sure that ICE doesn't just expel people from our country just because they're here illegally. They also just changed a rule that even if they're criminals, if they're not a dangerous criminal, they can stay. So that's the message from Central and South America and all these other countries from Africa on down. So the way I understand it is they come from Colombia, through the Panama, over to Costa Rica. Then they'll get over through, through Central America, through Mexico, and then they get into our country. And they're staying by the tens of thousands. Now think about this. They're being told to come up. In January, told they were coming up? In August, they finally have a meeting with Canada and Mexico in August, late August, about what we're going to do about this. What is Tony Blinken doing? This is right up your alley. Also, the vice president of the United States was said, take care of this problem. I'm going to go to uh, the, the genesis of the problem, the root causes of the issue. You never ended up in Panama. Did anyone tell you the Panama foreign minister called? And don't do a Zoom call. Go. Don't tell me the pandemic is keeping you locked down. It is not. That's what an embarrassment she is. We'll talk about that in a little, a little while. So now we're seeing a situation where caught under the bridge last weekend, 14,000 or a weekend before, everything's blending together, where uh, illegal immigrants coming into our country, only 2,000 go back to Haiti. Most of the rest, 10,000 plus, end up dumped into our country. Why do they get preferential treatment over everyone else? But I digress. When the administration's asked, you know what they say? Well, we have to do comprehensive uh, reform, and all Republicans want to do is give speeches. No, there can't be any compromise, com- uh, comprehensive immigration reform without any type, any type of border security. Lara Logan knows the problem, did a series of specials on Fox Nation. She joined Hannity last night. Cut 29. This is about the sovereignty of the United States of America. In fact, this is the end of sovereignty, not just of this nation, you know, in terms of our borders, but in terms of our own sovereignty. What is the United States Constitution? It is the only document in the world that actually enshrines God-given rights and protects them with a document that is written by man. And what they've done here is eviscerate the Constitution. It has been obliterated in one, one motion like this. And they're giving legal rights to people who are in the United States illegally while they obliterate the law. And that is um, by design. So that is Laura Logan. It's 100 percent correct. Get this. And it's logical. Being that we have done nothing to enforce our border, being that people are getting into our country and now that the weather has gotten better and more inhabitable, they expect 400,000 migrants, illegal immigrants to cross our border in October and they're getting ready for it. How do you get ready for it? We build more tents? I mean, what do you get ready? How do you get ready for that? Oh, I know what you do. You tell Border Patrol agents, and I think we're down 17,000 Border Patrol agents. 
You tell them, if you don't get vaccinated by November 1st, you're fired. So we'll have even less. Just logic tells you if 75% of the country's got just one shot, there's people for a good reason that don't want to get shot, whatever, don't want to get the shot. So now we're going to lose even more. They get fired, underpaid, underappreciated, and then fired. Nice combination. So they expect 400000 Absolutely unacceptable. And the good news is, I think politically— Joe Biden is paying a price. I think he's got 36 percent approval rating when it comes to immigration. When it comes to his record, his approval rating in Texas, 30 something percent. I think he lost by nine points in Texas and Democrats had dreams of taking the state back. Now, when Joe Biden, the Democratic president, has 36 percent approval. Why? Because they see what's going on. And then also story in The New York Times today about the poll numbers of President Biden. He's got between 42 and 45 percent if you look at the various polls. Pew Morning Consult and the uh, the, uh, the Pew and the Q uh, Quinnipiac poll, the Morning Consult poll, his approval among the black community has dropped from 60 percent, dropped significantly from 60 percent uh, uh, all the way down. Now, for the most part, Democratic presidents have about 80 percent approval rating. His down is below 60. Uh, the Hispanic approval, which got us, we're really worried Democrats, especially Biden fans, and there's only a couple. Hispanic under 50 is in the 30s. So in uh, disapproval in Texas is at 56 percent. And what's also got to be disturbing to them, high school, excuse me, white uh, or white Americans, Caucasian Americans, I guess you would say, uh, with college education, he's doing fine. With high school, he with high school graduates, uh, he has dropped 7 percent. He's now got 30 percent approval rating. So that's what's happening. You continue to. Let the border go wild. You're not. You're going to get routed out of the Senate and the House. The question is, how many more people have to get in uh, before we have another election? This election can't come soon enough. So that's what's happening on illegal immigration. That's what's happening with Joe Biden's approval rating. And guess where he's invisible when it comes to this deal making on Capitol Hill? The the meeting started at 7:30 this morning. Nancy Pelosi was meeting with Susan Rice, and. Uh, and we'll see if anything produced came out of that. So far, word is Nancy Pelosi extremely unhappy that she's got to take the lead again, much like she did with Barack Obama. And we're talking about the infrastructure bill, and then we're talking about the uh, reconciliation bill. Can't have one without the other. Nobody's budging, the moderates as well as the liberals. But when you look and see what they're saying, they're still trying to be optimistic. Politico says this. Leader Hoyer is asked whether he's confident that the infrastructure bill will pass today, and he said no. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who doesn't like Steny Hoyer, says, we're proceeding in a very positive way. We're in the path to win the vote. Hmm. Bernie Sanders. I like this. I really do like what he says here. When they announced there's going to be a delay, he said this. It's an absurd way to do business. To be negotiating a multi-trillion dollar bill a few minutes before a major vote with virtually nobody knowing what's going on, this is unacceptable. Yes, and that's the way everything's being done. You can no longer say Republicans are like herding cats. When the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party made it impossible for Boehner and Ryan to run the caucus and get a vote— Now we're seeing Pelosi suffer the same fate. It's not that she is better. She had a very homogenous caucus, and now they're all over the place. I'm not talking about ethnicity. I'm talking about beliefs. Playbook said this. What we learned so far, it makes pretty clear that they can forget about the $3.5 trillion and give us a ballpark potential compromise between $1.5 and $2 trillion. Let's hope it doesn't even get into $1 trillion, but that's where Joe Manchin is. Second. It gives us a sense of which policy parties are most likely to survive should they get a bill. 
For example, on the chopping block, for instance, they say free community college is not even mentioned, affordable housing that Bernie Sanders wanted. Also, Sanders wanted Medicare to offer dental, vision, and hearing benefits all for free. And so far, they know that that has got to go. So what they wanted to do is trap Cinnamon Mansion to say, tell us what you don't want. Then that answer would leak out. Uh, the child tax credit increased. They don't like children. Uh, vision or expanding Medicare, they don't like old people. They don't want to get like that and become the Republicans. They see what happens to Republicans when they were honest about affordability. They vilified them. They picked the one thing they wouldn't go for and find out, and then they would make them pay for it. Uh, if it comes out, you don't want to handle daycare. You don't like women. Or you don't like kids. So they would not bite on that, and that's to cinema's credit. They said they can't figure her out. Meanwhile, so much disappointment with the president. He had multiple meetings with Cinema and Manchin, and he produced nothing. That's why this speaker is in such a mess right now. About the moderates, here's an example. Henry Cuellar says this. I think the progressives don't trust the moderates. I was here in 2010 where they said, where they said, go big, go bold. We have to have 50 votes in the Senate. Not only Bernie Sanders, not only Elizabeth Warren, who, by the way, are considered way to the left. And just to understand what the what Speaker Pelosi is dealing with, and I don't feel uh, feel for her, but I'm just telling you, uh, Congresswoman Jayapal from Washington, who runs the Congressional Progressive Caucus, says this: We reiterated to the Speaker again that we're in the same place. We will not be able to vote for the infrastructure bill until the recon- reconciliation bill has passed. Until that occurs, there aren't any votes to pass. I mean, this is going to be embarrassing. Really embarrassing if they can't get this to a vote, which means they don't have enough to pass. They don't want to vote and fail, just their opinion. So that's why. When we come back, we find out if there's more to know. We wrap up this hour. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. You had a baby. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. You had a baby boy. Yes. Cosmo. Thank you, yes. Um, Little baby Cosmo. Cosmo is a great name. I was very happy to hear it. I think it, like, fits very well with you and Scarlett. It is a unique name. How uh, how did your family react? Uh, My family uh, is very supportive, always. My mom, I would say, was slightly thrown by it and didn't quite understand it. I don't know if she thought it was kind of like a hippie thing, right? but she she would call us and, and say, you know, like after three or four days, she'd be like, Cosmo. She'd be like, and now is it final? <laughs> yeah, Colin Jost, who could be very well take over. Uh, don't you think he's going to be a talk show host somewhere in that late night lineup somewhere? I think maybe I will say, though, their interview was a little flat, but I do think it's he was, phenomenal on Weekend Update. Yeah, I mean, I've never really, I've seen him, on, I saw him on Howard Stern one time. Mm-hmm. It was good. Okay. But not uh, phenomenal. I mean, Dennis Miller was breakout. Uh, Colin Quinn was already an established stand-up comedian. Uh, we know about, um, who else has done stand-up? Oh, obviously Jimmy Fallon has has done that. So, most of these guys, I mean, has, shouldn't he have broken through already? Maybe, but it seems like he also could be very happy at SNL. I mean, he has a good gig. He has a pretty good wife. But they want so- you to move on. 
But and I don't mean, you who, get the sense they want you to move on at SNL? I feel like they used to, but now who's coming up? Like, what new cast members have really made a mark? Yeah, I don't know. I guess the new season starts. It makes me wonder if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Speaking of Colin Jost's wife, Scarlett Johansson, evidently she is extremely upset because the movie that she had during the pandemic, Black Widow, did not go to the theaters. It went right to streaming. Therefore, she didn't get any of the back end that she wanted to. So the basic, so she sued Disney, since Disney has violated the terms of the contract by releasing Black Widow in theaters and streaming at the same time, costing her an estimated $50 million in lost bonuses and wages. Disney argued that the release of the movie was not in breach of the contract and called the suit especially sad and distressing and callous disregard for the horrific prolonged global benefits of COVID-19. That's low, isn't it? To make her seem like a heartless, self-centered star? I know, but then guess what? They settled the lawsuit for an undisclosed amount, and this company will still be working with Johansson on several projects. It ends happily ever after. Next. Tony Bennett's musical memory triumphs over Alzheimer's. Turns out Lady Gaga is on 60 Minutes, and she tells this story. Tony Bennett has Alzheimer's and has difficulty holding a conversation, but when it comes for him time to sing, he's 95 now. He emerges from dementia with the phrasing and gestures fans of all the years past would recognize. Anderson Cooper and 60 Minutes cameras were there to witness the astonishing transformation at Bennett's apartment. This is going to be cool. Yeah, do you want to hear a little clip of and, it? And, uh, and on stage with Lady Gaga this past summer. Let's listen. In rehearsals this July, she found new ways to connect and communicate with her old friend. When asking him questions, she'd keep it simple. For example, if I were to say, Tony, would you like to sing Love for Sale? He'll say, yeah. And if I say, Tony, would you like to sing Love for Sale? Or it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. uh, He might not have as easy of a response. Do you want to say anything goes? Yeah. All right, great. When that music comes on... It's something happens to him. He knows exactly what he's doing. And what's important for me, actually, just to make sure that I don't get in the way of that. It's interesting. So is it more about Tony Bennett, you think? or No, I think it's absolutely more about Tony Bennett and just how he's dealing with Alzheimer's and how music and, I think, habit have a special spot in your brain that, right, if it's like make a choice, it doesn't really compute, but it's like let's do this song, let's go, and he's got it. Wow. Uh, so that's going to be I'm definitely another reason to watch. Next, Katie Couric, we've been talking about this, has a book coming out. She rips everybody. She says she heard the whispers about Matt Lauer's lecherous behavior. Uh, the new blockbuster book called Going There, which was obtained by The Post, Couric said there were plenty of tales that kept folks by the water cooler chatting. Um, remember, he was fired in 2017. Couric wrote in the book that Lauer allegedly said that sometimes women come into his office crying, and he worried that, that they sat there next to him on the sofa. He couldn't even put his arm around him, and she said, yeah. Don't put your arm around him. Yeah, he, he was apparently doing much more than that. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of, you know, well, I think he's going to come back again. Don't you? Or no? I guess he's tried a couple of times. It hasn't worked. I feel like you need to give it some more time. Him, Charlie Rose. I'm curious if they do. Because I feel like, especially for Charlie Rose, the news is missing a voice like his. I mean, ignoring his indiscretions, but... Like, just like uh, someone who's going to call it both sides and with such a depth of knowledge. Yeah, and just uh, they got to know if someone, if they come out, if someone's going to hit them again because the accusers come forward. It depends, I guess, how serious it is. Uh, it's hard for me to even remember what they did because one led to another, led to another, led to another right after each other. Uh, also, Katie Couric revealed a secret fling with, as, with, uh, with Smitten schoolboy Neil Simon. Yes. And, how great, right? Uh, 30 years her senior. 
And, so um, she was 28? Yep. She and goes, the, she admitted the intensity was a bit over the top, but she was still flattered by all the attention. And then apparently she went up to his hotel room, they started kissing, and then what stopped it were three words, blood pressure medication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next, Utah takes the top spot among states with the most Halloween decorations. Good job. I don't like Halloween. Why were they doing that? Um, number two is Illinois. Number three is New Jersey. Number four is Texas. Number five is New Mexico. They all should get a prize. I was going to say states that you want to avoid in October. Exactly. I don't want any part of it. Uh, let's talk about this. Electric bikes take off. E-bikes using sur- are surging now, driven partly by high-minded concerns, the environment and pandemic safety, and probably by the coolness and fun factor. Uh, e-bikes are easy to use and will help you pedal, or not as much as you want. High-end bike sellers are starting to flood the U.S. market with new products and, and subscription models. So I didn't know that. So you could actually pedal and get help on this? You can, but I'm not sure. Is this like a better way for a motorcycle to save gas, or is it just a lazy way for you to get a bike? Yeah, I was just saying, if you're going to be on a bike, you might as well be pedaling. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're a delivery person or Uber Eats or something. You want to, you know, if you're going to be on a bike all day, you're not worried about exercise. So that could help. True. But I will say they come whipping down now. They've rearranged New York City. When you first take a step off a curb, it's now a bike lane. And you get these e-bikes whipping down. You could die. I'm sure people have died. But that they have, actually. But I think that's where it's, like, in between. Like, is it a motorcycle or is it a bike? Because they are going so fast. If they hit you, you're getting hurt. All right. So real quick, we can keep the music up. The President of Freedom Fighter Tour is coming up, right? It's going to be November 7th, Charleston, West Virginia. Then on December 3rd in Ponte Vedra, it's almost sold out. Clearwater's selling extremely well, too. December 4th, don't wait. Orlando, Florida, Sunday, November 21st. And you can always pre-order the book. It's called Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. And don't forget to watch 7 p.m. tonight. One of the unique guests, Brian Kelly, Florida Georgia Line. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.